Welcome to the On Deck Circle, a weekly podcast setting the table with lively baseball banter from two guys who love America's pastime. Let's talk baseball. Welcome back in to this week's edition of the On Deck Circle podcast. This is episode 14 for the week of May 22nd, 2023. And Alex, you've brought something into the studio with you this week. I have. I have. Uh, Outside of your notepad and bottle of water, you have a foreign substance in here? Well, and the plethora of baseball information just floating around in my head. I have brought something in addition, but it starts... It's baseball-related. It starts with a question. When you go to the ballpark and you can only order one thing to eat, what do you order? Buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jacks. Okay. No, not peanuts and Cracker Jacks. No, honestly, uh, I like... I like the ice cream in the helmet cup. That was my favorite thing growing up. So like the Dots ice cream? No, 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 no. Soft serve in a helmet cup okay, with okay. sprinkles. Plus you had a souvenir to walk home with the, the nice little mini helmet. What did you do with your mini helmet when you took it home? I don't even know where they are now. But you know what I did with those? What, uh, my brother and I both had them, and we would use them as like piggy bank jars. We would put change in those helmets that we would get from baseball games. Yeah, all sorts of fun stuff. There's you, a lot of different things you can it. get at the ballpark. You ruined it because... Because you were going a different direction. I was going in a different direction. Tell everybody what you have in the studio with you today. I have a hot dog. I have a hot dog with and me in the studio. Not just any hot dog. This is not your Oscar Mayer or Hebrew National even. Nope. Or ballpark, Frank. Nope. This is a big dog. And in order to get context for this, so Alex and I record this podcast in eastern Pennsylvania. Southeastern Pennsylvania. Specifically Montgomery County, not to specifically locate ourselves too much. But there is a place in Trapp, Pennsylvania, T-R-A-P-P-E, Pennsylvania, Trappe. Trappe. Pennsylvania, one of the oldest towns in the country. And they have something that we like. Gourmet hot dogs. It's kind of funny. A couple weeks ago, uh, Aaron and I were talking off the podcast, and we're like, man, there's no place out here that does gourmet hot dogs. And just driving down the street, it's a it's a place that uh, they're in a place, and I'll explain it more in a second, but they're in a, they're in a different restaurant or another uh, business establishment. Uh, they work out of there. And I just happened to look them up, and right up on their page, they're like, welcome to Dogs. We love big dogs, and it is a gourmet hot dog shop. The website is www.welovebigdogs.com. And, and they are located out of Captain's Market. Captain's Market is a place where you can get seafood and meat and take-and-go cooked meals. And then they also have this big dogs gourmet hot dog place inside there. It's called a virtual kitchen. And so there's not actual storefront for this company. They work out of the kitchen that is Captain's Market. And they have a number of gourmet hot dogs. And you don't know what you're going to get when you order a hot dog. One you, thing for sure, they are not virtual hot dogs. No, they are they are they are very real. Full bodied. And so we were able to go there for lunch today and it's not hyperbole. It was the best hot dog that I think I've ever had personally. And Folks, go to welovebigdogs.com and take in the picture of these amazing you, hot dogs that shows up on your home screen. You will you will think we did. We thought there's no way like these are photoshopped hot dogs. There's no way this is what you're going to get and I will and I can tell you 
I can I, I can testify to the truth that what you get in real life is better than the picture, and the picture looks great. So good. All anyway, right, so, so shout we're out. Not, we're, not, we're not connected with them. They're not connected with us, but we want to give them a shout-out because baseball and hot dogs, they go hand-in-hand, hand, folks. They're, like, not just hand-in-hand. Hand, they're, like, hand-in-glove. Hand-in-glove. I love it. Hand-in-glove. All right, well, that's our shameless plug for welovehotdogs.com. They don't really, I don't think they would ship well across the country. So if you're no. listening to us in another state, no. maybe consider moving to the great commonwealth of Pennsylvania. I wouldn't drive hours to get there, but I would drive minutes. Yeah. And so if you're, is a real thing. if you're the next county over in uh, Bucks County, Berks County, Chester County, Philadelphia County, make your way up to Montgomery Delaware County, County, Delaware County, make your way up and uh, into dogs. We love big dogs, gourmet hot dogs. Definitely good. All Sorry. right. We've got a stacked agenda just like these hot dogs are stacked and so without further ado let's jump into our first item on our agenda for today leading off we want to first of all excuse my voice Uh, i'm dealing with some sort of sinus and allergy related thing so if i sound like i have a tin can or megaphone shoved up my nose it's probably because i do don't apologize aaron i was listening on the radio just the other day it is the worst pollen in history that we're experiencing here in montgomery county and so not trying to be dramatic but you are well within your right to not feel great sinus wise because the pollen is out of control it's the worst Talking about worst, let's go good, bad, and ugly, or in my case this week, good, good, and ugly. Good, good, and ugly. Changing it up. I'm going to go first because I've got a really great good this week. I know that makes no grammatical sense, but as you eat your hot dog, which is a good, let me share with you my good. This week, we had not one, but two LA Dodgers make their rookie debuts. And this was really interesting because last week on the podcast, you singled out how the Rangers had a rookie make his major league debut against the Braves and did not fare too well. However, I want to highlight Bobby Miller of the Dodgers. This week, he he made his major league debut against the Braves. Five innings, four hits, one earned run, five strikeouts. He did a great job of shutting down that high-octane offense. He's my good for the week. He just looked awesome. Hope he has a bright future in store for him. 24 years old, six foot five, fireballer. His first pitch was a 100-mile-an-hour sinker that Ronald Acuna grounded out on. But I saw the at-bat with Matt Olson. Matt Olson, he made him look silly. Many pitchers make Matt Olson look silly this year, considering he leads the major leagues in strikeouts by a wide margin. He can hit the ball a country mile, though, when he locks in. But, yeah, I get what you're saying. All right, your good for the week is... My good for the week is uh, it's a good thing going on in baseball, but it's a bad thing for me personally in the sense that I have to, um, instead of a hot dog, I should have brought with me a piece of humble pie because last week I got on the soapbox and went after a certain center fielder for the New York Yankees who How dare you? was caught up in a little bit of controversy and I jumped on that bandwagon full tilt and was accusing Aaron Judge of all sorts of impropriety when it came to cheating And all he's done since then, in his last seven games, Aaron Judge has hit six home runs, uh, batted in 12 RBIs. He's batting a cool 462 with a 588 on-base percentage, and his slugging percentage is 1,200. In case you don't know, folks, that means he's hitting the cover off the ball right now. Exactly. And so 
on behalf, I want to represent all of his baseball critics, and I want to stand up and publicly apologize to Mr. Judge because we're sorry, Mr. Judge, and we'd ask you to not to we'd ask you to stop taking it so personally because you are taking it out on every pitcher that you faced since those since those accusations began. It was interesting in the series that was remaining in Toronto. Uh, it was always you know the the house that you know Yankee Stadium is referred to as like the house that Babe Ruth built or whoever and. Um, Rogers Center was referred to the house that Judge built because he owned that place. And he so definitely did work Aaron there. Judge is proving his critics wrong. Uh, there are no glances to the dugout that are going on. He's just ripping the cover off the ball. And it was so nice of him to give all those other league leaders a chance to maybe win the home run crown in the American League. And he quickly chased them all down and is probably going to distance himself in the near future because he is hot right now. So Aaron Judge is my good. Follow-up to that with my second good is another Yankee. This week, Garrett Cole. Ooh, I'm glad you mentioned this. Became the third fastest pitcher in MLB history to 2,000 strikeouts. That's awesome. That's pretty notable. 2,000 strikeouts. That's a lot of strikeouts. In an era like we've talked about on the podcast where starting pitchers, the accolades that go along with it, they're diminishing, that's something to be celebrated because, again, we don't know when we're going to get to celebrate this again. He does. He is on pace and probably will you know, sneak, uh, sniff around 3,000 strikeouts. But, yeah, Garrett Cole, what a that's a great good. I love that. Yeah, he, he did a great job with that. And this is kind of like a bonus third good in conjunction with Garrett Cole. The Yanks have jumped from last place in their division to third place in their division. And I found that quite ironic because I think I remember somebody, I heard somebody recently who was bemoaning the fact that the Yankees were like 11 games back. They were in last place. They, they're not a last place team in any division in baseball. And it seems like over the last couple of weeks since that particular individual made those comments, the Yankees have turned a corner and have just been playing much better baseball. Right now they're in third place. Toronto is in last place. Boston's underneath of them. And they're within striking distance of the Rays. The Rays are starting to scuffle a little bit. The Yankees might be able to seize this opportunity, particularly with Garrett Cole and Aaron Judge doing what they're doing right now. So my second good is Garrett Cole and, and the way that he is – really anchored that Yankees rotation so far this year. All right, so you're bad for the week. Okay, I get this soapbox out, it seems like, every other week now, and I'm going to get you it out are again. Perpetually, you are perpetually sitting on your soapbox. That is correct. I am sitting on my soapbox, and I am sitting on my, or standing up today, and I am going to name drop Marvin Hudson. Marvin Hudson was the home plate umpire on Friday night when the Marlins visited San Francisco, and there was a debacle. A kerfuffle. There was a debacle and a half when it came to uh, a late inning at bat. J.D. Davis was up to bat for the San Francisco Giants, and he had worked himself into a 3-2 count. And J.D. Davis, as batters often do, stepped out of the batter's box. And with the new rules, when you step out of the batter's box, you have to be re you have to be reengaged in the batter's box, looking at the pitcher, or he's engaged with the pitcher by the time there's eight seconds left on the pitch clock. J.D. Davis was not engaged by eight seconds. 
seconds. He was more like six or five or four seconds. Well, Jacob Stallings was catching for the Marlins, and he caught that he was not engaged at eight seconds, which should have been strike three. You're out. You're out. Well, there was a miscommunication between the pitcher and the catcher, and the catcher kind of threw up his hands and called timeout. Well, meanwhile, the pitcher for the Marlins, and I don't have his name right here in front of me, he delivered the pitch. While Marvin Hudson was calling time, his hands were going up. So the pitch didn't count. There wasn't a timeout called. And then Jacob Stallings stood up and walked out to the mound. And after a confab of the managers and the, the umpires and kind of getting all the parties together, it was determined that Jacob Stallings made did not call timeout and made a mound visit that was not authorized by the umpire. And the mound visit resulted in ball four being called on J.D. Davis and J.D. Davis was awarded first base. It was a hot mess. I got to be honest, that was one of the most confusing situations I've ever watched play out in baseball. I've seen that play. I watched several replays of it, and I still don't know what was going on. Although I did learn this, that apparently umpires, they, when the game is over, they do press briefings with everybody else, or like uh, they do their own press briefings, and I want to listen into those a little more. He said this after the game. He, this is Marvin Hudson talking, he, Jacob Stallings, turned to me and was saying something about the clock. He didn't tell me right away he was going to the mound, so that's a ball because of the 3-2 count. When he called time and didn't tell me that he was going to the mound, that turned into a violation. And he was so matter-of-fact about that afterwards Marvin Hudson was the picture of a confused man during that whole scenario. And I'm like, dude, if we're going to have these rules, the catcher cannot be the one that's enforcing these rules. It has to be on the umpire. And correct me if I'm wrong, the umpire is supposed to be alerted with either like a buzz or some sort of noise that, that, that alerts him that eight seconds has now elapsed here yeah they have an earpiece or some sort of indicator yes that's supposed to let them know when they're getting close to or at eight seconds yeah i I watched that play probably a half dozen times and i didn't watch it in real time but i thought to myself if i was a fan at the ballpark i would have no idea what they're talking about but i agree with you definitely not a good look for baseball all right why don't you go ahead with your ugly the blue jays beat the rays 20 to (laughs) one The last place Blue Jays beat the first place Rays 20 to 1. Didn't they have something like 27 hits in that game? They did. Let me get let me get to that. Break it down for us, Alex. The score was 10 to 1 after 8. There are 9 innings in a baseball game. Oh no. Tampa Bay, which is not uncommon for them. They do this. Brought in Luke Rayleigh to pitch. <laughs> Luke Rayleigh is not a pitcher. He's an outfielder for Tampa Bay. He is indeed. He pitched 1 and 2 thirds innings, gave up 8 hits seven home runs, and this is his second appearance on the year and brought his ERA on the season to 30.38. Wow. Well, Luke Rayleigh wasn't able to finish the game, so they brought in their closer, Christian Bethencourt, catcher for Tampa Bay. He pitched a third of an inning, gave up three hits, three runs, and he settled his ERA at 81. (laughs) Now, this is getting more and more common. However, when you go and read on ESPN's website, the, the when you go when you on ESPN.com, you read the the headline for that game. It accurately says that the Blue Jays smashed the Rays twenty to one, led by Vladdy Jr., who hit a grand slam. Yep, Vladdy Jr. was three for six with a grand slam and six RBIs. His grand slam was off Luke Rayleigh. You know what else he did against against Luke Rayleigh? He struck out. 
<laughs> I get that. However, on a fifty mile if, an hour, if Luke Rayleigh's pitch. not pitching, and we can assume, like maybe we just assume, like maybe he doesn't even get that six that bad. We don't know what happens. He's two for five with two singles and two RBIs, as opposed to three for six with three hits, ones being a grand slam and six RBIs. His line is altogether different. I don't know about you, and I get the rationale behind it. But in an era where we're talking about right now, we're talking about Garrett Cole getting two thousand strikeouts. We also had a situation, or not a yes, uh, Mike Trout did a home run yesterday, tying Joe DiMaggio for at like 361 career home runs. It's crazy to think Vladdy Jr. could get to the end of his career in the gay and age that we're playing, and he could get to two, 300, 400 home runs, and there might be a dozen of them that are hit off these position players that we're using to, you know, wash up the, the late innings of a blowout game. Now, a, a 10 to 1 game is a blowout, but a 10 to 1 game quickly snowballed to a 20 to 1 game. And I don't know if you saw that pitch. He threw a what had to have been a 58 mile an hour EFIS pitch that left at 112 miles an hour off the bat. That's amazing. Now, we talked about meaningless statistics last week, but a ball that literally left twice as fast as it came to the plate is absolutely insane. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm kind of tired of seeing these position players record these last outs of the end of the game. And quite frankly, there are some juiced, you know, people always talked about the juice stats of the steroid age. It's almost like that grand slam has to have an asterisk next to it. And by the way, cause you were like, that guy was throwing 40 miles an hour and he went up there with no batting gloves and just torqued the ball you know, to the wall of Tropicana Field, not the wall, the home run wall, the back wall of Tropicana Field. And so I'm just like, come on. It, it made an ugly game that much worse. And it just left me with a weird taste in my mouth afterwards. Anyway, so that's my ugly for the week. My ugly is baseball related, though not explicitly related to the game of baseball. I'm the kind of person that likes square pegs going in square holes. I don't like trying to force things. And I feel like there is an issue in baseball that is being forced onto baseball. Out in Los Angeles, we're coming up on Pride Month in June. We're in the midst of Pride Month. Uh, no, June is Pride Month. Correct. How can you say we're in the middle of it then? I got my days mixed up. I thought just we crossed keep, over. Just keep eating your hot dog, okay? That's right. All right. Story out of L.A. involving Pride Night. They have a Pride Night scheduled for, I believe it's June 16th. And there was a controversy that came up because they invited uh, a group of anti-Catholic LGBTQIA plus people to come and participate in an on-field ceremony. Well, there was pushback from the diocese in Los Angeles, and so they canceled the invite only to reissue the invite uh, and now re-invite this, this group. And I just was pondering to myself, what in the world does any of this have to do with baseball? Having having all these on-field ceremonies, and, and it's not just it's not just an LGBTQIA plus thing. Even when I was at Oriole Park last weekend, all this on-field ceremonial, like honoring the guy who brought 200 people to the ball game and 5,000 first pitches, honorary ceremonial first pitches later, and this and that and this and that and this and that. And it seems like there's all of this pageantry and all of this extra stuff that MLB is trying to drum up. Guys, attendance is at a 15-year all-time high for baseball to this point in the season. Like, I don't think we need to keep adding things to the game of baseball. Baseball with the new rule changes, by and large, 
is a better, more watchable sport. So rather than pushing envelopes and and being progressive, let's just keep things stripped down and let's just play baseball. Let's let's honor heroes on Memorial Day. I totally get that. We can have patriotic celebrations on the 4th of July. Those are both long-standing baseball traditions that have been around for decades. So let's keep those. And I get the whole Mother's Day, Father's Day thing because moms and dads have had a significant impact on major league players, whether it's you know, a, a player coming out of a situation where his mom took him to all the baseball practices and encouraged him or another baseball player whose dad was his coach and really influenced how he pitched the ball. I get those things. But I feel like we're just trying to drum things up for drumming things up sake, whether it's events like Pride Night, whether it's City Connect uniforms, whether it's, you know, just acknowledging the most randomest groups of people on field prior to the game. Let's just keep baseball streamlined. Let's let people enjoy watching the game as opposed to all of the stuff leading up to the game. So that, that was my ugly for the week. I agree. I think uh, you made a good point with just what does anything, what does any of this stuff have to do with baseball? I think that's just a great litmus test to apply to some of these things. And I, I, I you know, I went, I went to a minor league game a few weeks ago with my kids and I remember, you know, there, it used to be, the, it used to be where you'd have one person come out and throw out the first pitch. Yeah, they had and it was some group and it was a kid's group or I can't remember exactly who it was, but they had 22 first pitches. That's brutal. And I'm like, not yeah. Not only is this just like, yeah, brutal to watch, quite frankly, it just waters down the whole concept of an opening pitch or the first pitch. Like what it's like, yeah. what's the significance of it? If everybody in the stadium gets to and now this was a weeknight minor league baseball game. And you're like, wow, there's more people throwing out first pitches than there are in the stands right now. I'm like, can I throw out a first pitch? Like, it just like, it just like, you just lose all the pageantry of it. And I think yeah. there's a, there's a, there's a greater conversation that you and I might be able to have, but you had mentioned some of these other specialty holidays. Like we're so busy trying to force commemorative jerseys and city connect uniforms. And we have a, we have a, we have a theme night every night of the you know baseball schedule and I just want to know, like, do they have numbers on the back end that maybe we're not privy to? Because it, it, that they're like, these things really work. Because it just seems like, if anything, this is hurting the game, not helping the game. All right. So that's our, those are our good, bad, or good, good, and ugly for the week. And uh, let's move on to our second item. Now on deck. And this week we want to highlight some gameplay issues. We're 50 games into the season. And... It doesn't seem like a lot of hiccups are being resolved. It seems like there's more issues, like there's more things going on, more miscommunications. Some things are being laxed a little bit. We want to kind of touch on some of those, whether it's pitch com, whether it's the pitch clock, whether it's replays, whether it's just the flow of the game being interrupted by weird stuff. Alex, what are some things that you've seen over the last week or two as it pertains to these gameplay issues? Well, again, we have issues. It, it seems like, you know, it's okay. I'll, I'll say this at the outset. At the beginning of the season, uh, it, everybody was highlighting and it was zeroed in on the pitch clock and pitch com and everything else. And some of that dust, I think, has just settled and we're kind of getting into the new normal that is, you know, these new rules in baseball. However, pitch com issues continue to persist. And instead of like highlighting them, we just have like accepted them now. Like somehow it's okay that it's no big deal that you know, the pitcher comes out on the mound and 
you know what, his time's running down. And so he just kind of, you know, hey, I'm going to throw up my hand and I'm going to say I can't hear in my pitch com. And so that's fine. And so I'm just saying that that annoys me because I feel like that's something that can be easily abused and we can't police that at all. We have no way of knowing whether or not the pitch com issues are legitimate or not, or you're just trying to gain you know, a few more minutes or a few more extra seconds of, of time before you deliver the pitch. That annoys me. I, I didn't write it down. I wanted to look it up before we came here. I saw a clip, though, on Twitter of the guy who was having pitch com issues. He took his pitch com device out of his hat, chucked it into the stands, which I think the lady who caught that, I think that's the first ever time catching a, a baseball on-field item that wasn't a bat or a ball. And so, you know, that continues to happen. $5,000 prize. Exactly. The eBay price on that will probably go up. I wonder if you can get that pitcher to sign the PitchCom device. That would be a, that'd that'd be be a unique good one. piece of memorabilia right there. Yeah. So, I mean, those issues that you've highlighted are real. I, I continue to be astounded by just how confused the umpire seemed to be. Yeah. More often than not, they're looking around like they're clueless. <laughs> and I'm wondering... <laughs> did MLB spend as much time training the umpires as maybe they should have? Right. Did they, did these new rule changes come into play far enough in advance to where MLB was able to, able to properly train and drill these umpires to make the right calls? Or are they genuinely clueless and wondering to themselves, oh, snap, what do we do in this situation? Right. I agree. I It's interesting, and I don't know the makeup of it. I see, it seems like there's an inordinate amount of new umpires. There's a lot of young guys that are umpires now in major leagues. And it seems like we're left with the, either the belligerent ones or like the brand new ones. Well, here's why. Angel Hernandez has not umpired a game since early in April. Well, speaking of belligerent ones, Angel Hernandez. Yeah, the, the, I've heard he's been the out tip due of to the spear. I know he's been out due to health issues, but still. like, So we have all these newer umpires still trying to learn the rules and like guys you're not helping your job security no like you're fueling the cause for robo umps yeah uh the other thing is just the whole like pitching catching hitting dynamic so i feel like there's just been a lot more finicky games played whether it's the pitcher throwing over to first base so he can get a couple more seconds or like you said like takes his hat off and pretends to fidget with his pitch com device like is it really a pitch com device issue or are you just needing a couple more seconds to be able to get your act together before you throw the next pitch? So major league defense game times are faster, but I'll tell you, it's interesting. The, with the, the pitch clock, you know, the way it works is you, know, you have a certain amount of time when there's no runners on base and then that time gets longer. If there's a runner on first base, runner on first and second base, you get, you know, more time. That's right. It's interesting because it's like, the game seems to slow down more when there's when there's runners on base, which it should, and I get that. But the pitch com is like a non-issue, or the pitch clock is a non-issue when there's runners on base because they have so much time in between pitches. And I just like again, I don't know. I just have to wonder: is it is it accomplishing what it set out to do? Um, I get the run game is huge now. You know, stolen bases for days are to be had out there on the base paths. So but like an extra stolen base attempt and a successful one being attempted per game exactly it's crazy and so I, there's i have one more thought on umpires but i think it's going to segue into the next topic on the agenda so maybe we go to that and then we can talk about yeah a couple more things here related to this on our next segment i, I don't know that you could have said it much better so let's see what that next segment is in the hole 
And in our third segment for this episode, we want to talk through some unusual ejections that happened over the weekend. Yeah. Uh, Several that we want to note. Alex, go ahead and continue with your segue from our previous segment on unusual gameplay issues. Yeah. So speaking of like gameplay interruptions, you know, there's no greater gameplay interruption than when GPI somebody argues a call, specifically a manager, and they come out and they, you know, make a scene and get ejected and then get their money's worth. And we're going to throw their little temper tantrum like a two year old. There's several that we're going to talk about, but I want to highlight one in particular that relates to the last segment that we had. Christian Walker for the D-backs was ejected last week. Okay. Christian Walker wasn't up to bat at the time of his ejection. He wasn't on the field at the time of his ejection. He wasn't yelling anything at the umpire at the time of his ejection. He wasn't even talking to the umpire at the time of his ejection. There was a called strike call, which wasn't a great called strike call. Christian Walker didn't agree with it. However, all he did was clap. That's all he did. He sarcastically clapped his hands, which could have been in relationship to just about anything. Now, granted, uh, Christian Walker, the, his previous at bat, had several pitches that he thought were way outside the strike zone that were called strikes. Yes. And all throughout that game, the home plate umpire had been missing strikes left and right. It was it was not. That's a chronic a problem. Game. That's a chronic problem. It this is year. indeed. And maybe it's highlighted more because again we're. Where we, you know, we've got the, you know, the umpires under a microscope. But anyway, he claps on the top of his dugout, and he got the hook. The umpire ejected him from the game. And I don't know if I want to trademark this slogan, but if you want to be terrible at your job, you better grow some thicker skin. And that's like a no, That's a message to every umpire in the league. If you want to be terrible at your job, if you want to be, if you want to call balls and strikes that are all over, you know, all over the strike zone, inside, outside, up, down, wherever you want to call them, then you better have some thicker skin and be able to deal with a guy sarcastically clapping in the dugout. Now, here's, here's why he would have gotten tossed because in that moment, he's showing up the umpire. I get it. And there is place in the rule book for that sort of ejection. But that however, happens in about every at-bat. However, so so Christian Walker was warned, and then he continued doing it and was ejected. I saw it, and I was like, seriously, we're tossing guys for this sort of thing? But I, I, get, I get both sides. I think this is a situation where the umpire ejects the guy, Christian Walker in this situation, but I think he did a little too hastily. Right. Like you're saying, grow some thicker skin. Uh, there was a situation on Friday involving the Yankees and Reds. That was an ejection fest for the weekend. <laughs> yeah, if you wanted a good show, you should have gone to Cincinnati to see the Yankees and Reds. Friday, Clark Schmidt, a pitcher for the Yankees, yeah. was checked for foreign substances and was found to have said foreign substance on his hand. That was a significant thing because earlier in the week, Domingo Erman, also a Yankees pitcher, was ejected from a game because of a foreign substance on his hand. Is it is it just me or have I read the phrase stickier than I've ever felt? more in games related to baseball than I've ever read before. And it's like, how many times are we going to have the stickiest hand we've ever felt? Anyway, thank you, Max Scherzer. So Clark Schmidt uh, was checked, found to have sticky substances. Well, rather than ejecting him from the game, the umpires told him to go wash his hands. And David Bell, the Reds manager, came out of the dugout wanting to know, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Why wasn't this guy tossed from the game? The rule says... 
If he has a sticky substance on his hand when you check him, he's to be ejected and suspended for 10 games. Why was he allowed to just go wash his hands and then resume pitching? Well, he let his words be said, and he was promptly himself ejected from the game. But the good news with David Bell was is he felt like he didn't get all his words in on that particular ejection. That's right, because he came out Friday. He, he, was, he got ejected Friday. Saturday was fine. No yep. issues on Saturday. But he did something quite rare and unprecedented on Sunday. He got ejected from the ball game before noon. <laughs> yeah, what is with these Sunday games, these early Sunday it's ball really games? It's really rare for a manager to get ejected before noon, apparently. In the Eastern time zone. In the, in the Eastern time zone. <laughs> but not only did he get ejected, David Bell of the Reds, Aaron Boone, the Yankees manager, got ejected in that game on Sunday of the Yankees versus the Reds. You might, you might be a fan out there, and you might be wondering, just the. can you imagine the crazy anarchy of a manager a managerless baseball game? Well, that's what we had in Cincinnati between the Yankees and the Reds, a managerless baseball game. Yeah, they were both gone. Pretty crazy. No, it, it, again, it, yeah, there's been some notable ejections, especially related to some controversial topics. And again, we, we're still trying to figure out what exactly the sticky substance issue is going to look like long term in baseball. But again, you know, we've had some short fuses on uh, on umpires. We've had uh, obviously some very, um, dis, uh, very disappointed. I mean, that's a bad word. Just upset managers responding to calls that are being made on the field, whether it's the strike zone, whether it's how they're handling some of these gameplay interruption issues. And I don't think we've seen the end of it. No. And we'll see how baseball handles it because again, you can shorten the game all you want, but if the dugouts clear, the bullpens clear, you're stopping the game for quite a while here. And so yeah. baseball's got to figure it out. Well, and I feel like some of that excitement, of the ejections and the and the unusual gameplay situations helped make up for some of the lackluster matchups that we had over the weekend. Yes. But as we'll see in our fourth segment this week, there are some good matchups and let's look ahead to them. Batting cleanup. That's right. We do want to look ahead to some upcoming exciting weekend matchups. I'm going to go first. I got two interleague matchups and one national league matchup and we might have some redundancy here wait you don't have an american league matchup i don't because you're missing the greatest matchup of the weekend because the nl west is coming over to play the al east and so we've got a matchup like the padres versus the yankees at yankee stadium and preseason that would have been awesome but the padres stink oh you darvish did some work for him last night they're yeah. they're taking care of the nationals this is a good example wait, wait, of the can you repeat what you just said they're taking care of the nationals and they can join the rest of the major league baseball apparently not the tigers okay didn't <laughs> the tigers get swept by the nationals over the weekend no we lost two out of three I mean, Patrick Corbin looked like a rarefied ace against you guys. No, I get, I get it. Anyway, sorry, you're saying Padres okay. are... So Padres, Yankees. In addition, we've got the Dodgers coming to St. Pete to play the Rays. We do have redundancy there. So is, we've this got, a, is this a World Series match or pre, pre, precursor? Well, it could be. I mean, the Rays are starting to falter a little bit. The Dodgers are one of the hottest teams in baseball. They've got a lot of arms down in their rotation right now. So we've got some rookies against a young and talented Rays 
lineup and bullpen. That's going to be an exciting series that I'm looking forward to. Alex, what are a couple that you're looking forward to this weekend? In addition to the Dodgers and Tampa Bay, the only other one I have slated for this weekend, and it's Memorial Day weekend, by the way. It's a big weekend kind of in the in the life of baseball. Ba- the baseball schedule is, is divided up into there's different mile markers where teams assess where they're at. Memorial Day is the first one. All-star break. Memorial Day. Well, 4th of July. All-star break. All-star break time. There we go. Labor Day. Labor Day. Where are we at? And so right now, this is where we're at right now. And right now, we've got an intriguing matchup this weekend. Texas goes to Baltimore. Yeah. There's four teams in the American League, five teams overall that have 30 wins. The Baltimore Orioles and the Texas Rangers are two of those teams. Ooh. Texas is going to Baltimore. They're the first place Texas Rangers, the second place Baltimore Orioles, two very young, very fun teams to watch. And so that's an awesome series. And Um, even some surprises in both of those teams. Like, I don't think anybody expected these two teams to be as good as they are. No, I think there's a couple things to look at there. The pitching, the the Orioles were completely, before the season was like, we got the young hitters. But do we got the pitching? Their pitching is pretty good. Yeah, it's all it's decent. It's decent. And the same is true for the Rangers. The Rangers have the highest, one of the highest run differentials in the positive direction. They have the highest one in the league. Texas, Baltimore this weekend. I think that's going to be a great series all weekend long. Yeah. Uh, so my family is going to be divided this weekend. Because oh, boy, is it the Phillies and the Braves? Philly goes to Atlanta. And I got to be honest. My Phillies have been stinking up the joint. Yeah. Trey Turner, hey, not get, looking like 300 million bucks. Can I get a Derek Hall update? Uh, Derek Hall was, he is taking batting practice, and he's supposed to begin a rehab stint, I believe. Where's, can I can I quote from the beginning of the season? I don't feel as bad about the Phillies because we've got Derek Hall, end quote. Correct. I stand by that. <laughs> I can't help the fact that he messed his thumb up. Just saying. Not my fault. And Alec Bohm has been doing all right. Edmundo Sosa. I, I really don't understand how Josh Harrison is still a thing on the Phillies. Anyway, their starting pitching has been atrocious. Zach Wheeler hasn't looked like himself. Aaron Nola hasn't looked like himself. Ranger Suarez is a dumpster fire. Taiwan Walker is a bipolar dude that you're not sure what you're going to get between one start and the other. The best guy they had in the rotation, they took him out and put him in the bullpen. Matt Strom's no longer starting for them. So I feel like Philly's just a mess. However, Atlanta is the team to beat in that division. And if you're going to start getting your act together and get back in the race, you got to do business against division rivals. Yeah. So I think this is a great weekend for Philly to go into Atlanta and make a statement. Atlanta has been on the receiving end of a tongue lashing from the Dodgers. Yeah. And... The Braves have been doing all right with baseball recently. I mean, Ronald Acuna is having an MVP caliber season. Phillies-Braves is the matchup that I'm looking forward to as well. You have any others? I that's, I mean, I agree with that matchup. I think there are some matchups that you have some teams where you're like, okay, you have, again, some opportunities to you know build their way back into the race. Uh, it's interesting. The, the AL Central is just the worst division in the league. And the NL Central. And well, the the Central is just there's bad baseball being played. But again, like it's interesting, the the White Sox have gotten hot this last week. Um, you know, Michael Kopech, you've noted, is playing, you know, is he's had an outstanding game today. They won today. They are now nine games under five hundred, but they're within shouting distance of first place in that division. And so it's like, you know, uh, there's a t- any of those teams, uh, whether it's the Twins, 
the White Sox, the Guardians, even the Tigers, if anyone could get hot over the course of a week, they might find themselves in first place in that division. They could. And so it's, you know, it's sad because the records are so bad. But nonetheless, fan bases have reasons to tune in uh, because you're playing technically meaningful games. That's right. And so anyway, it's just, uh, you know, and you have a, some lopsided matchups and you just don't know how it's going to go. But I don't know. I'm going to be watching a lot of Texas Baltimore this weekend. Feel free to reach out to us and let us know what you're looking forward to seeing this weekend. As always, like and follow our social media pages and share this podcast with your friends and family. Let them know about this conversation that they're missing out on about baseball from two guys who love baseball. And until next week, we're out of here.